We are walking into our last message in the Hebrews Summer Series. This has been really fun to preach through one of my favorite books with you guys and to be able to talk it through midweek in some places. It's just been great. I just want to say thank you for uh, letting me preach this stuff out to you. I also want to say a warm greeting to you from Pastors Vern and Heidi. I had lunch with them a couple of days ago and uh, they sent their warm greetings and uh, we're going to try and get that guy here for a visit sometime soon. Next week is our kickoff week and let me tell you that is super weird in the middle of COVID because what are we kicking off? We're going to talk about some of those things for the next two weeks in a series we are calling We the Church. So we will talk through some of that stuff over the next couple of weeks and uh, share kind of our purpose, our vision, our plan for uh, what we're going to be doing in the next couple of semesters and um, how we are going to be building God's kingdom in the middle of COVID. Amen? Amen. So if you have your Bible with you today, awesome. Let's go to the book of Hebrews. This is the last chapter, Hebrews 13 is where we're going. Hebrews 13, verse 1, and we're going down to verse 6. Keep on loving each other as brothers. Do not forget to entertain strangers. For by doing so, people have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those in prison as if you were fellow prisoners and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we have confidence the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? One version says, so we say with confidence. Wow, that is a powerful piece of scripture. We have confidence because of what God has declared in the past. A few months ago, we talked about spiritual confidence, and I want to revisit that in this last session on Hebrews. Now, let's say you go out to dinner, and um, you go to the restaurant, and you're looking through the menu, and you're like, oh, you know, I, I'm not sure what I want. But in the back of your mind, if your wife's an accountant like mine, you are constantly running, okay, what fits the budget? Where do we sit with that? Then someone comes along and says, hey, you know what? The restaurant has said, um, really likes you. You're awesome. And uh, whatever you want, you go ahead and order. All of a sudden, everything's different. You're now, you are now making your decision based on a confidence you have that you can order whatever you want. Let's say you are in the market for a new car. You go to the car lot and you're trying to figure out, okay, the one I just sold got me this, I've got this in the bank, I'm gonna put those two together, but then maybe I'll go a little bit lower because again, my wife's an accountant 
and you're trying to figure out, well, what can I afford? What's not going to break the bank? I don't want to be car poor here. And all of a sudden the salesman comes over. He's like, Hey, you're looking at these, but, um, the owner of the car dealership just said, whatever car you want, that's the car you get. All of a sudden we're moving from hatchbacks to Land Rovers and everything is different because there's a confidence in what you have been told. There's a confidence in what you know. Much like that, there is a spiritual confidence in our life. What does that look like for you though? What does spiritual confidence look like? Because we know that um, through the book of Hebrews, all the sacrificing is done. You don't need to sacrifice anymore. You just need to make a decision and walk as a Christ follower. Now, when you're walking as a Christ follower, there, there should be a confidence in behind you that when you go to the store, that if you see something that, that's amiss, someone is being mistreated, someone is looking like they can't pay for their groceries, there's a confidence that maybe we should do something about this, that I represent the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and I have an opportunity to go ahead and change the world right now, one decision at a time. There's a confidence. There's a confidence when you go to work. There's a confidence when you go to school that you can access your relationship with God at a moment's notice. How often do we do that though? In your personal life with God, how often do you access that confidence? In your prayer life, are you praying big prayers are you praying with all of your faith, with all of your might, knowing that God is going to move? Or do you pray what your brain tells you is attainable? We can stand up, we can take courage because confidence is a heart position. I wanna talk about an underlying theme from the book of Hebrews and it is a result of the confidence that we have that comes from Christ. So a heart position appears first as a heart decision. Follow me on this. I had to make a decision to trust in Jesus based on what I was feeling and based on what I knew. I made a decision to follow Christ and make him the Lord of my life. It was a decision that I made. And then that became my position. Now we decide on things based on our confidence. You have confidence in the restaurant. You have confidence in the car lot that what they said is true. You make your decision based on that. I decide to trust based on what I know, based on what I feel. Feel. Do you remember? Do you remember in the Gospels where the man comes along and he says, "You know what? I believe, but God, would you help me with my unbelief?" Sometimes we believe, but it's hard to get to that place where we really, really believe, where we know in our knower. So the the author of Hebrews does what he does best in chapter thirteen, and that is to commentate on old covenant teachings and give them a new covenant spin and show us how they're going to work together based on what we know about God. So again, verse five, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. This is God speaking in Deuteronomy. Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you guys. 
Because of that, because we know that God is never going to leave us, never going to forsake us, we have a confidence in verse 6 that says, because of that, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? That is bold. That is huge and that is bold. Because we know what God has said, we can act a certain way. And as we go back to the beginning of 13, it's I can live morally, I can take care of people, I can keep focused because I know what God has said, therefore I know that nobody can actually do anything to me that is going to have eternal significance. I know, that's easy to say. You believe it in your heart and you act it out, that's fantastic. But do you know what I've gone through? Do you know the stuff happening in my life right now? The mess my house is in, the mess my marriage is in, my finances are a disaster, people around me are getting sick, this COVID stuff is stressing me out, and you're telling me to have confidence. We gotta go backwards in the book of Hebrews to understand this confidence. And to do that, we have to kind of look at it again through ancient eyes. So we look at the book of Hebrews, we know that it was not written to us. It was not written to us, but the Bible was written for us. And so the author says, hey, remember those in prison, And remember those suffering because, wow, that could be you. It could be you. This is a time where followers of the way, where the Jesus followers were under heavy persecution. Man, life was tough to follow Christ. They fought the status quo and what religion was like. And most of them, remember, started as Jews. They, they started in, in Judaism and were pushing from the inside. They were navigating social, economic, religious, family issues all at the same time and being persecuted heavily for it. So aside from the fact that they were following Jesus, the guy that had to be crucified so that people could shut him up, Aside from that, there was all these behavior things that were happening. And we see, the, we see the author of Hebrews trying to push on that and be like, hey, 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 remember, remember, remember. You don't have to live like them. You don't have to be sexually immoral. You don't have to live like them. You, you don't have to love money. So even, even the topic of loving money, as it comes up again and again and again in Scripture, it is on repeat in the New Testament because of what was happening in the first century church and what was happening with the Roman Empire. So we know that priests were on the payroll. We know the scribes were on the payroll. Judas was bought off. He gave up everything for some gold. That's insane. In first century BCE, as well, we know Herod, the the Roman ruler, comes into town and he has the temple, the Jewish temple, he has it built himself in his honor so that he could have a piece of what was happening in the religious circles. The love of money. 
So you take all of that, you, we understand of how cruel an environment it was. The gladiators and the crucifixions, the infanticide, it was just a cruel time. So we top it all off and we, and we look at the fact that even Paul, before he becomes Paul, he was still Saul. He was a theological bounty hunter. His job was to run around and kill Christians. This is the worst time to convert to Christianity. This is the most unappealing religion I have ever heard of. Do you want to be oppressed? Do you want to be hunted down? Do you want people to make your life miserable? Let me tell you the decision you need to make in order to have that all happen. There is a confidence inside these first century believers because they knew what they knew, they knew what they had seen, and they knew who Jesus was. That is incredibly powerful. So Hebrews 13, 15, we're going to throw one more piece of Hebrews into this mix. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. With all of that, let's continuously praise God. God, the fruit of lips that confess his name, do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifice, God is pleased. Wow. Life is going to look bad. But you have a confidence that can rise up inside of you. Don't forget to be thankful. Don't forget to praise. You know, there's a lot of us who fight being glass half empty types of people. I have fought this my whole life and it gets complicated because that's where I automatically want to go. I, I'm a Gen Xer. I am cynical. You want to do something that I don't approve of? You want to do something that I didn't think of first? Cynicism is going to rise up in a heartbeat. But as Christ followers, we have to grab that cynicism and we have to grab that glass half empty mentality and understand that we've got a glass half full God. We have a spiritual optimist at the head of our table saying, guys, come on, let's go. There's further to go. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And I want to show you some amazing stuff in your lives. Jesus is a spiritual optimist. Let's go to one more verse in this series. This is not in Hebrews. We're going to jump to the book of Colossians. There's a couple words that Paul wrote that we're going to round out this morning with. The book of Colossians, chapter 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. There is a spiritual confidence in you that can rise up, that puts you in a place where you want to sing, where you want to declare the goodness of God. It is a powerful place to be, but it takes a decision to get to that position. You have to make a decision to access that. 
I encourage you to let your heart speak loudly to those around you today. We talked last week about how when believers are gathered together, how there is the the essence of hope and faith and creativity and encouragement all around them. It's powerful. When we encourage the people around us, that just sends ripples and shockwaves into the spirit realm. You know, as believers, our ability to declare, to, to pray out loud, to pray in tongues, to, to sing to God a new song, to even just sing to God the stuff that's on, on the words, our ability to do that is powerful because it's what we have that affects the spirit realm around us. So I encourage you, if you're sitting next to somebody this week somewhere, maybe here in church, maybe at home on the couch, just say something encouraging to them. I like your shirt. It changes the atmosphere. Say something encouraging to them spiritually. You know what? God has good things for you. I just pray blessing upon you in Jesus' name. You are changing the atmosphere. We're going to go back into this song here in a minute. And I just want to remind you of how powerful the audible declaration of the name Jesus is. It shatters the darkness. It absolutely resets everything that is happening around you. We're going to sing When I Say Jesus again. And I just want you to lean into this song and make it your declaration today. Make it your mantra this week that you just want to declare the name of Jesus over every aspect of your life that is being pushed down on you. When you have fear that is rising up, tell that fear what to do in the name of Jesus. When you have financial difficulties rising up, declare the name of Jesus. When you have stress at home with your kids or your spouse, declare the name of Jesus into your family. Declare the name of Jesus over your home. Know that God has a plan for you guys. We want to be praying over our church. We want to be praying over our teachers this next while and our students that are heading back this week. Declare the name of Jesus. Know that God has a plan. Know that God still has us in his hands. He loves us. He loves you. He loves our church. God is doing big things, people. We are in a good place to, in history because we're going to watch God do things that no one would have thought possible. So we know that God is poised and ready to take action. Let's be part of that and know that God is on the move.